bad, bad addict. Um, every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs. I've been in prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the feds. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict, and my hope was found in a needle. I was eight months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't freeway that saved me, it wasn't John Stroop that saved me, but God uses freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And the, the church has the answer and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to One Broken Life. My name is John Stroop with Freeway Ministries. And I have my special guest today, Cody Woodard. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you, Cody. Uh, One Broken Life is a production of Freeway Ministries, and we explore uh, the lives of men and women who have been affected by drugs, crime. Uh, many times they come out of that background. Uh, the bigger the mess, the bigger the message. Many times we believe that. And so uh, you hear about people's lives being affected by drugs and addiction and crime. Uh, we have prisons that are full. We have fatherless homes. Uh, but what you don't hear about is those, those people who have been radically changed by the gospel and how their lives have been transformed and the impact they make. Right. And so this is just a, just a conversation we're going to have to explore broken lives. And that's what we do here. Uh, that's the, hence the name one broken life. Yeah. And so, uh, I want to just welcome you here. Uh, our, our theme verse for this, uh, for this podcast, as we go through this, um, our conversations is Psalms 5117. And Psalms 5117 says, um, the sacrifices of God are broken and contrite heart. A broken heart and a contrite spirit, oh God, you will not despise. And I love what's, what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul says, the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And, and so he's the things, the pronoun things is his past right the things that god has allowed him to go through and so that's kind of where we're at today with you cody um i want to just kind of briefly talk through your life and explore your life and let people see because there's people who are going to be watching this who have never used drugs have never don't really know anything about uh the past of someone that comes from addiction like you and i mm -hmm. and so as we go into your life just uh and just from the simple beginning of what was five minutes what was your what was your life like growing up as a child um you know i actually came from a good home um my mom and my sister raised me um they loved me cared for me i had everything provided for me um my so just so you guys can understand the dynamic my mom worked two jobs early in my life and um so my sister basically stepped in to raise me how was she She's only three years older than me, so I'm 27 now. She's 30. Um, at the at the time that I'm remembering this, I was probably six or seven, and my sister's like nine or ten. Um, she'd wake me up in the mornings to get me ready for school, cook me breakfast, stuff like that. Um, and so, with my mom working to provide for two kids and keep a home, and you know, 
uh, it gave me a lot of free time. And so uh, I got into trouble, man. Uh, just to keep it real with you, I was, I, was, I was sexually abused when I was eight. And the gentleman that did that also got high with me. And uh, he got high with me so that I couldn't tell on him. And so as you can imagine, like that wrecked me. That hurt me as a child. And it really pushed me into addiction. At the time, I really didn't know it. I thought that I was just going to run the streets and get high and do my own thing because that's what I wanted to do. But really, it was because of that major event in my life um, that I chased after addiction. Yeah. Well, so let's just kind of talk through that for a moment. And I'll just Mm -hmm. share with you that I was also abused sexually as a child. My cousin abused me. And, uh, and then I was, a another, a woman and a man as babysitters. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I understand what that's like. And that throws you in a tailspin of sexual activity at a very young age. Yeah. Um, and just, it, it does do something to your, your mind yeah, and absolutely. you feel sex is love. Right. And right. so if someone's not trying to have sex with me, then they don't love me. Right. And then that leads to other things, yeah. addiction and Stuff like that, and so how old were you? Say, so you run the streets. You're, you're, you were sexually abused as mm. you know what eight, nine, ten years old. Yeah, all of those years. Um, and so you wanted me to just go on after. Yeah. That. So yeah. So where are you at? Your your ten. You're you're about you're a preteen. Yeah. And and then so what what's what happens next? Well, I become so I start drinking heavily, even for just a ten year old. I'm trying to stay drunk or high twenty four seven. Um, I get expelled from school. I end up, my mom had these sleeping medication pills in her room, and I took I took the whole bottle of them um, when I was 12 years old. And I was, listen, I was scared. Like, did I want to die? Yeah, but I think I wanted help more than anything else. Um, and I got scared after I took all of these, and I told uh, one of my teachers that I took all these pills. And so I went to the hospital. They gave me the charcoal. I stayed overnight. Um, and then my dad stepped in, who I, I kind of knew from, like, vacations and stuff, but he was never really present in my early childhood years. Uh, he stepped in and decided to take custody of me. And so that's when I was 13, I went to go live with my dad, who was in the Air Force, and he lived overseas. And so I lived in Europe. I lived in Germany for two years with him. Um, and none of the problems that I had, like, within my childhood with being molested and developing an addiction. None of that got really resolved by going and living with my dad. My dad just inherited a bad kid that couldn't, you know, favorite word was no. Growing um, up without a father also is not a healthy thing, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, I've seen all the statistics of men that grow up in fatherless homes, like their outcomes are prison or death or addiction or suicide. Um, and I was definitely one of those statistics um, so I went to go live with him. It was it was rough because I was a bad kid, and he wanted me to be good and, and have good grades and do well in school and all of that, join a sports team, but I just wasn't about it. And so uh, I ended up getting arrested while I was in Germany on a on a military base, and it, it looked it, – it was embarrassing for my dad. So um, he sent me to go live uh, with my mom again at 15, and I was just out of control at this time. Um Caught a new case for a possession of a firearm. I stole a gun, and I had meth in my system. And so the state took me from my mom, put me in a state facility because I had meth in my system, and I caught new cases and stuff. Um, 
When you say new cases, what's that mean? Uh, new felony convictions. You're so new charge. You were charged yeah. on new crimes. Yeah, charged on new crimes. Uh, um, so yeah, the state took me, placed me in a in a state facility here in Southwest Missouri. I did pretty well there, actually. You know, I've had this issue in my life where I do really good in high structured environments, but as soon as I get free, I throw my life apart. Anyways, so I did good in this facility. Um, I had a I had a counselor. Man, my testimony's messed up. That's all right. I had I had a counselor in this state facility, and he uh, he had a plaque on his wall that said Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and I had never I wasn't raised in church. I really I've been to a Catholic service one time as a child. Um, and so I just asked him, like, what does this mean? And this man shared the gospel with me. And it was the first time that I'd ever heard that there was a God who loved me and sent his son to die for me and that my life could have meaning and purpose and value. And how old were you? I was 17 and I was under state's care, under state care. Yeah. And how long have you been in state's care? I had been since I was 13, but they gave me back to my dad cause he took custody. I've been in and out of state custody in my childhood from like 12 to I think they released me when I was 20. Okay. Um, so you're talking about the gospel. Yeah. He, yeah, he shared the gospel with me and I was bewildered by this. I never, I just never heard those things. Um, and so I went back to my room and I remember grabbing a Bible. I don't, I don't necessarily remember where I was in scripture or what the prayer, the prayer I had, but uh, I knew in that moment that God was real and that I was different. I felt different. Where it gets messy at, man, is when I left the state facility, I immediately relapsed. And so I had no, like, I didn't know. It was the first time I encountered shame and and condemnation and embarrassment, and I didn't know what to do with it. And so I stayed in my addiction for like four years. Um, Where Now, where are you from, Cody? I'm from a small town called Pleasant Hill, Missouri. Um, You probably tell it by my accent. But and my dad's from Tennessee, so I got to blend of both worlds. Anyways, I'm from Pleasant Hill, Missouri. Uh, it's just right outside of Kansas City. Kansas City, Missouri. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it hence Missouri? Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're ashamed. Uh, you heard the gospel. Uh-huh. No local church. No discipleship. None. No gospel in your life at all. Yeah. No Bible in the home. No. Not really. No. Uh, no gospel presence because mm-hmm. if there was, you'd be in church. Right. So you you know you're lost. Right. You you go in and out of juvenile. You're this abused young man who is you know done, probably haven't ever talked about hadn't talked about it to nobody. No, and so I didn't until recently. So you you know you're battling that up, mm-hmm. and uh, you're you know you got all these messed up thoughts in your mind you know about sexuality and all these things because you were abused by a man. So mm-hmm. that that doesn't help you out any. Yeah. Um, and so you're using drugs and, and uh, you're in and out of juvenile committing crimes. Um, so then you're 20. Yep. Y- you leave the facility. Yep. No, I'll, so I left the facility when I was 17, but state kept care of me. Okay. It's, so you're emancipated as an adult? Y- yes. I, I guess that's what that means. Where the state took full custody of me. My parents had zero custody of okay. me. Um, and then they kept custody until I was 20. Is how that worked, but I didn't get locked back up through um, okay. Division of Youth Services after seventeen. Okay, they quit locking me up. So, so you stay with your dad? 
Um, when I, at 17, when I got released, they pressured me not to go back home and get around the same people and, um, wreck my life again. And so that's, I came to, that's how I came to Springfield. I went to a, it's called a transitional living facility. Mm -hmm. It's called footsteps. It's on the North side of town. Yeah. Um, I went there. Listen, that was really a blessing in my life, but I didn't know it at the time. And, uh, they got a great director up there that loves me. Um, awesome. It's also where I met my foster mom at, Brooke. She was volunteering there, and she was actually there to see somebody else, but the other guy didn't want to see her. And I just, I guess I just wanted to hang out and get to know her. And so we developed this really good relationship after that. Messy, but re but really good. One of my best friends. She's a super sweet lady. Yeah. Shout out to Brooke Dismay. Yeah. Live 360. Dismay. Yeah. Yeah. And then... um. So yeah, I'm now I get released from state custody. I'm 20 years old. I've been in my addiction for four years after my salvation. I had no discipleship. I didn't even really, I couldn't have explained the gospel to you or anything. And that was the first time I came to Freeway. I went back to a drug treatment center and they brought us to Freeway on a Saturday night. I heard the gospel. I heard the preaching. I was such an infant. I believed at that time that when I went down to the altar to pray and receive Christ, that I was saved at that time. As I've gotten older, I've seen, I see that I was saved as a child. And that even though when I was at Fruit, I prayed to be saved, it was really a rededication. Um, just messy. And then that was when you used to go to the treatment centers and ask people to come out and talk with you. Yeah, they won't let me do that anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sucks, man. Because that's, listen, that's part of my story. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you came to the treatment center, asked if anybody wanted to talk to you. I went to talk to you. And uh, you accepted me to Freeway. You you told me about Freeway. You told me about, you gave me your testimony, actually. And you, you, you asked me a question. You said, uh, if God could do this with my life, what could he do with yours? And it inspired me. And so I came to Freeway. You want me to keep going? Yeah, how old were you? I was, I was 20. I just turned 21 when I came to Freeway. Freeway has a, let me just kind of describe Freeway's uh, when he says, when you're saying freeway, because mm -hmm. there's people listening on the podcast, there's people listening on um, YouTube, mm -hmm. and so they may not understand what that means. And and so freeway, uh, we have two things. We do outreaches, and then we have homes called discipleship houses for men and women to live in, which is a 12-month-long program, uh, a discipleship program. And so... Uh, which we've gotten a lot more structured even since mm -hmm. then. But to basically where we teach people biblical disciplines and principles and how to Amen. live their life and how yeah. to apply the Bible and get them plugged into the local church, get them serving the Lord and teaching them their purpose in life. Amen. And so that's what Cody means when he says freeway. So he, you entered that program. Yeah. How old were you then again? I was 21. 21, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so uh, Brooke actually... Did she refer you or no? No, I, so I I only learned about your guys' discipleship house because you came up to the treatment center. I didn't know you guys had those. I just knew that you guys had a service on Saturday night. And I had been once before, like years back, um, maybe 2013 or 14 or something like that. Um, but whenever you came and presented the discipleship house to me at the treatment center is actually how I learned about it. Amen. Yeah. And so you entered the program. Yeah, I entered the program, and um, listen, it was the first time that I had ever experienced discipleship and being taught scripture. And like, this is this is 
this is what Christians do. This is how we live. This is what we believe. This is the church that we go to. And I developed a community and um, a, a, a well-developed community of people who love me. Um, I had... I had some things that I didn't know how to work through in the program. And so I loved it. I did well. You made me a house leader. <sighs> I got stressed out one day. I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. I was, I was young. I was 21. I left and I relapsed. And all that shame and condemnation came right back. And just believing that I would never get it, man. Like I could have the best counselors i could have the best men of god teach me scripture and love me and get me plugged into a local church then i still won't get it and so it, it ate me up inside um i came right back to freeway i was dealing with all that but not saying it um kind of kept a lot of that hidden and covered up um the that shame from being molested as a child was in the back of my mind and so i had i had just this storm of issues that i wasn't being honest about and so after I graduated, I relapsed again. And so you came back and you stuck it out and you graduated the program. Yeah. And you overdosed, right? Yeah. Remember when I called you on the telephone? Yeah. That yep. day? Yeah. And uh, so that was between those two times. Yeah. And uh, I remember calling you and just having you on my heart yep. and just said, you need help. I know you're getting high mm -hmm. and uh, you're coming to church and everything, but you're not doing good. Right. And uh, you overdosed that day. Yeah. And about died. Yeah. Weird how that happened. You called me and you asked me to go to treatment. So you need to go to treatment. And I had a, I had some dope and some pills and um, something, some alcohol left over. And I just did it all at one time and uh, was on my way. I was in my mind. I was on my way to treatment. I was just going to get everything over with. Um, and I ended up taking too much and spending a, a week in the hospital yeah, I forgot about that. That messed me up. Yeah, I mean, and I've got just a few notes on here, but I'll be honest with you, Cody. I didn't know what what else we could possibly do to help you. Right. It was to that point, you know, uh, right. you you'd moved in with a Christian brother, mm -hmm. and you were less than a block from the church drinking, right. you know, in the house. I, I know. mean, you just didn't care. I know. You didn't care if Pastor Eddie came up there and visited you <laughs> drunk, man. You were just going to use and drink, and I know. Drive and yep. I did everything I could personally. I called your PO. I know you did. I, you know, I said, <laughs> I "Lock him up. He's gonna die. He'll die. Yeah, he's gonna end up dead." And uh, yeah. anyways, the PO didn't do anything um, yeah. about it, and yeah. so I was very disappointed in that. But you know, God in His sovereign grace, right? Amen. He uh, he got a hold of your heart, Amen. and so you're you're one of the um, one of the few people who made it through the program graduated and went back into addiction, you know, and the criminal mi mindset. Yeah. So let's just kind of, as people listen to this, um, I just want people to think about when they see someone strung out, there's more than just what they see, right. Going on. Absolutely. There's more than just the drunk. There's more than just a drug addict. Yeah. You know, they don't realize that, Hey, there's an eight year old in there that was molested as a child. Yeah. There's uh, somebody who grew up without a father and doesn't know how to cope with yeah. the guilt and the shame of things that have happened to them. You know, there's somebody who was raised in DYS, Division of Youth Services, and uh, um, they just don't get it, you know? Right. And so you're 
working through all these things in your life, right? And mm-hmm. so, uh, so how how do you deal with that? How did you finally come to the place where, um, you know, you know your life's out of control? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just a lot of times when people come back, like we had a guy last Saturday that came back to Freeway. He uh, he actually came to service, and he's a shell of the man he used to be. I mean, he looked rough, and he was house leader. And uh, he, a week before he was to graduate, uh, he, someone smelled alcohol on him in the house, yeah. you know? And he lost the program, and he's too prideful to come back, mm-hmm. you know? And now he's just, he's going to another program somewhere else to get help. But Amen. we love him, and we welcomed him back. Absolutely. And I got a picture of him and, and another mm-hmm. guy embracing in front of the altar. That is just a picture of grace and mercy but i don't know what it would be like i know i'm one dumb decision away from Mm -hmm. getting high today right you know uh i love that scripture galatians 6 it says it talks about restoring someone who's overtaken and trespasses and sins Mm -hmm. restoring them being gently yeah yeah, gently it says considering yourself lest you be tempted yeah and then it says to you who think you're something when you're nothing right Uh, right you know, so we have to when we we have to consider ourselves when we restore somebody. We have to realize that what what does that look like when I consider myself that that could be me easy. Right. You know, so today, uh, you know, I'm I don't know how long I've been clean. I've been clean since June 2008. So, mm. and it's uh, November 2021 now. But that doesn't mean that I can't use again, right? And I can't fall again, right? But I don't know what that would be like. I try to put myself in the shoes of someone who's coming back again Mm -hmm. how do you deal with that guilt man and that shame man that is a great question because that is what has consistently forced me back into addiction um i'm going to be honest with you after looking at my relapses after my salvation it's painful yeah kills me and so i needed listen the only thing that could have worked for me is i needed to believe the gospel i needed to believe that there's no condemnation for me amen so something happened to me, man, when I would relapse and then get my life back together and get plugged back into church, start reading my Bible, praying again, only to relapse again. I, I really, listen, I really believe that I would never change, that this would be my life for the rest of my life, just this miserable existence in Christianity where I want like, I want to obey God. I want to be a man of God. I want to faithfully follow Jesus for the rest of my life, but I can't. And I believe that. And that's a lie. And so I looked over these verses. Um, there's now, there's therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. Right. Romans and 8, 1. Romans 8, 1. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Amen. I've been the very thing that has kept me in darkness and bondage in my Christianity is the very thing that I'm totally set free from. So I believe that my freedom is perfect, but my faith isn't and my unbelief isn't and kept me from it. Kept, kept me like a gatekeeper. The Me not believing the gospel kept me in darkness, kept me in relapses. And the day that I decided, like, I'm going to believe this with all I have when I, when it doesn't, when I'm not, when I'm not feeling it, when I'm not experiencing it, I'm going to believe it anyways. Cause we walk this walk by faith and faith alone. Um, and so I would, I would be ran by my feelings 
and experiences and let those determine my future when that, that, that can't determine my future. Amen. Um, so you believe the gospel. Amen. It's the only thing that could have set me free from that, from that cycle of relapsing back into church and then relapsing again. It's the only thing that could have set me free. Um, so you, uh, Paul Tripp says it beautifully. He has a book, and I give him his book a plug, mm -hmm. um, Dangerous Calling by Paul Tripp, Paul David Tripp. He's a counseling pastor. He's a Presbyterian, but we won't hold that against him. But um, <laughs> I like Presby's. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, they're phenomenal. Yeah. But uh, he says, uh, who talks to you more than you do? Who talks to you the most? You do. Yeah. And then he says, so no one talks to you more than you do. What are you saying to yourself all day long? Yeah. So you're constantly preaching some kind of gospel, and I'm just going to go off the cuff and just kind of get into eight Romans 8 real mm -hmm. quick uh, because it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. But Paul, in Romans 7, what does he say to us? He says, a wretched man that I am who would deliver me from this body of sin and death. Oh. And people say, well, that was the past, Paul. Well, no, it's a present tense word. Right. Wretched man that I am. Right. Present tense, right? right. Saved, oh, mm -hmm. wretched man that I am. And so Paul realized he need, he needed a deliverer. Mm -hmm. uh, he said when the law came, sin came. Yep. And so when he realized that there was, like if this wall said, uh, wet paint, don't touch, and no one's in here, what do you think I'm going to do? Touching it. I'm touching it. <laughs> yeah, I'm right? touching it, I'm man. touching it. I just want to because <laughs> yeah. I know I can't, right? And that's yeah. that sin in me. Yeah. And and, and so uh, he says, but but the Spirit, he said, so what, what the law could not do, God did. By sending Christ Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh, right? And, and he says, uh, the Spirit of God has done what the law of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. And, and just a nugget for those who are listening, um, if, I have, if, I have a, uh, if I have something that I keep this to remind me of my daughter, it's her handprint in my uh -huh. Bible. But uh, if I drop this, what's going to happen to it? going to fall it's going to fall I'm, I'm dropping something on the table and so what if i drop it nine times what's going to happen it's going to drop nine times so what if i dropped it ten times and it only fell nine times but the tenth time it didn't fall what would that be miracle it would be a reoccurring event it wouldn't be a law a law is something it happens every time okay see what i'm saying okay and so why is it falling because it's called the law of gravity right 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 gravity's a law mm-hmm so how could I keep this thing from falling on the table if I dropped it? Is you remove the law. Well, there there has to be something den denser than gravity, mm. which is helium. So if I filled this with helium and I dropped it, what would it do? It would float? It would defeat the gravity. Okay. So my whole life, as a lost man, I tried to defeat the the sin in my life right? right i try to do it on my own right i try to make it on my own i try to depend on yep. myself but every time you yep. i drop the ball story of my life but when when we receive the, the word of god and we hear the word of god read the word of god and and we come under conviction we trust in jesus we are filled with the holy spirit of god amen. that is that is the only thing that helps us overcome sin amen, amen. And and the only thing the only thing amen and so you began to believe what the Bible says, yeah, right, and yeah. you be, you begin to rely not on programs, not on mm. workbooks, not on you know do's and don'ts, mm. but you begin to believe that 
God can actually do what he says he can do in the word. Amen. Yeah. And that's the only reason I am here where I'm at today. You know, I, I religiously read my Bible yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I take notes. I get, I mean, I, I study and it's not because I'm trying to earn something. It's because I know that my life depends on it, man. Yeah. My life depends on believing the gospel. Amen. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. so does yours, right? Absolutely. And so, uh, so let's talk about that broken place. So we, you were in the program. You were in Life 360. Uh-huh. Brooke was your enabler. Let's yeah. just tell it like yeah, it is. Let's just be honest. <laughs> yeah, and she was here. She would know because I've told yeah. her that, yeah. and she knows it. But she actually said, I can't. He can't do it here, you know. Right. <laughs> we're, we're too close, <laughs> Yeah. right? Yeah, it never worked. It'd be in my mom's program. Yeah, you know so she's your mama. Yeah. And uh, she loves you, man. Yeah. And uh, she's a good mama. Yeah. And, and so... Uh, so let's kind of just, I've got all kinds of questions that, mm-hmm. that, I, that we kind of jotted around, but uh, if there's somebody listening right now, uh, and maybe, maybe they're where you used to be, you know, and they're trying to, they're trying to stay sober on their own, or mm-hmm. what, what would you tell that person? Trying to stay sober on their own. How, I, I would tell them this. We, we're built for community. So the, the Lone Ranger thing ain't going to work. We, we have to have community. Um, I find my community in the local church, um, in other ministries, um, and it's, it's, it's good for me. It's good for us. Another thing is I don't know how lost people get clean and sober and stay clean and sober. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Um, when you say lost, what do you mean by that? People who do not believe on Christ, um, who are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I could have only done this through my faith in Christ. And so what I would tell someone who is trying to stay sober, um, get plugged in somewhere, first believe, believe that, Christ, who has saved you, can also sustain you, that you can be free from this thing that has held you down, um, and then get get involved somewhere. Get involved with the local church. Get involved with the ministry and develop new relationships, new friendships Amen. in there. It's good. Yeah. And so uh, I had there's a pastor that went to a guy's house that was backslidden. He mm-hmm. stopped going to church and and uh, he's told his wife, I'm not going, you know, I'm fine. I could, I'm a Christian all by myself at home. Right. I watch online, you know, whatever. I'm going to drink a beer on Sunday and watch right. watch football. Right. And the pastor came to visit him, and he was grilling. He was cooking food, and uh, he had the fire going, and he the grill was off the, the you know, off the, off the barbecue pit, and he was about to put it on, and the coals were all hot. And uh, the pastor came to visit him, and the pastor came to visit him. He said, I know what you're going to say, preacher. He's drinking his beer. Right. You're wasting your time. You come here to preach to me. My wife, you know, trying to get me to go to church. I don't need to be at church. And the pastor reached over there by the barbecue pit, and he grabbed the tongs, and he took one of those red-hot coals, and he moved it away from the rest of the coals. He set it down, and the guy just kept on going. And then he noticed what he did. He looked over there, and that coal he took off from the rest of the coals was out. Yep. And then the pastor went over there, and he took that coal, and he put it back over there with the rest of them, and it caught back on fire yep. again. And the guy said, uh, great message. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll see you Sunday. Right. We need each That's other. That's the truth, man. Don't we? Yeah, we have to have each other. And so uh, we talked about, you know, the BC, the mm-hmm. kind of 
not even before Christ, but still in your addiction, right? And mm-hmm. so you you graduate the program, mm-hmm. you're you're uh, back in trouble, right? So you leave Freeway, you're you're back on a binger again. Mm-hmm. You're full of guilt and shame. You're getting high. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about where you come to your broken place, okay? Because you you know I don't really want to get into the good stuff till part two, okay. like as far as where you're at today, what life's like now, okay. your sobriety and all that. And and so obviously you're doing good. You're sitting here yeah. on the podcast with yeah. me. So I'm Thank not going to have you here if you're being a dummy. You're right. not, you're not going to be here being a dumb dumb. Right. So uh, so let's talk about that. What happened, Cody? <sighs> yeah. Graduated the program. Basically immediately relapsed. Um, I was living with a really good friend. Uh, Andrew Marshall, still a really good friend of mine. Loves you. Yeah, I know. Um, he was sold out to Christ, became a preacher. He um, graduated the program. He read, He's a graduate too, yeah. And uh, I started relapsing while I was living with him. And, uh, man, the whole situation's a mess. He loved me. He wa- Everybody wanted me to do better, right? Everybody wanted me to get this thing and, and get help. He... Let's be honest. He really wasn't exposed to addiction like I kind of brought around him. Um, he he left. He moved out of my apartment and left me there alone, which was good because he also struggled with alcohol, and it could have just wrapped him up into it. When when that happened, I guess I just decided, like, I was just going to stay off the rails. Um, I was on probation. I, I have a... Uh, at that time, I had some felony convictions that I was still walking probation down on. Um, and so I ended up going to jail. And then I got out. Like I, The first time they locked me back up on those convictions on a probation violation, I went to jail for just like 10 days, kicked me right back out. I went right back to my addiction, just not even – I didn't. Even, I wasn't even ready to try again. Um, I stayed in my addiction – Got locked back up again almost for, for like nine months this time. Uh, they released me. I So this entire time, I've had the Spirit of God in me. And I I wanted, like, it feels like there were two parallel universes going on in my life. Like, was I saved and a Christian called by God? Yes. Did I want to change? Yes. And then I had this, the flesh, wrong belief believing lies about my life that I could never change. And even if I did, eventually that day is going to come for me and I'm going to drink again or I'm going to get high again. And so those two things were working at the same time. And let um, me interrupt. I think another thing that affected you was seeing people who were Christians who drank. Yeah. I think you justified it by that. I did. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's that, 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 I just want to plant that seed. Yeah. And those that are listening that, that follow Christ, that, think it's okay to drink in moderation you may be able to drink in moderation but then there's a cody woodard that looks up to you right he sees you doing it and he justifies it and then next thing you know you're strung out committing crime yeah so go ahead that's the absolute truth i uh so you're talking through um you're you know in and out nine months in right then what happens i did nine months got out um i was sober for the three months that they let me out for um, before I relapsed and then went back to jail like the third week in my relapse. But I wasn't doing good. You know what I mean? Like I was just sober but not doing good. Um, went back to jail for almost a year this time. And so I had two years 
I had almost two years in county except for I was out for three months in between those times. Um, I got released in January of 2020. I uh, I went to another program. I won't name them because they're out yeah, really well. trying to win the last. Um, I don't agree with their structure, but um, God had a – listen, I – I could have done well anywhere if I would just to believe the gospel. You know what? Anywhere. I, right. could, I could have done well. And so I, COVID happened. I left. I used it as an excuse to leave this program. Got high again. Tanked my life for another month. Um, my mom tried to help me. Took me into her, uh, into her house. Biological mom or? No, both. So my okay. biological mom up in Kansas City uh, let me come home, but she didn't know what to do with me. Um, I mean, by this time, I'm like 25 years old, and I'm still shooting dope and running the streets. And, like, you know. How many treatment centers have you been to? How many times have you been in treatment? A lot. More than 10. Probably more than 15. And then how many times have you been incarcerated? A lot. Probably how, total more than three years. Yeah. But spread out, you know. So in and out of jail, in and out yeah. of treatment centers, you're 25 years old. Yeah. You've been, you're a professional programmer. Yeah. yeah I mean, you can, you can, yeah. you can speak the program. You can do the 12 steps backwards with yeah. your eyes closed. Yeah. But nothing's changing in your life. Right. So what happened? I need, I'm telling you, man, the only thing that could have worked for me was to believe truth. I knew scripture. This is, it was this was a mess because I knew scripture. I'd been discipled before. I'd been discipled at Freeway and loved and, and, and introduced to a local church where I have a good, solid community. I've got a good, solid community at Freeway. But for I, I couldn't get, I just couldn't get it right. I, I would have told you this April of 2020, if you would have asked me what I believed about scripture, I would have quoted you 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that all scripture was God-breathed and um, it's perfect, inerrant, holy, uh, word of God, uh, but you would have taken me to a passage like Romans eight or Romans six. I wouldn't have believed it for my life. You would have said it, but you would have said, you would have right. you would have lied. I would have lied. I would have told you, yeah, I believe. I would, but I would have believed that the scripture was true, but no, for other people, yeah, that it's not true for me. Like, how could you call me dead to sin? How am I to consider myself dead to sin? How can you say that? The law of the spirit of life has set me free in Christ Jesus. Like, how could you say that? Christian liberty. Right. It, it just, so it, it baffled me, man. And when I changed, it was because I believed these scriptures and believed the gospel. Um, did I visit you in jail before you got out last time? I think I did. You answered one of my phone calls. I thought, I, okay. Um, and I talked to you about the program. Yeah. And, and and so let's just kind of, before we close this episode, I just kind of want to talk about that place um, where you were. Uh, so you're in jail again, yep. facing a slew of charges. Yep. Um, you done been to three, freeway three times. I know. You know, and I'm thinking, what can happen here? And you were you were going to go and we'll plug the Victory Mission, right? Mm -hmm. Mark McNally Restoration Program. Mm -hmm. Good program, good friends yeah. of the oh, ministry. Yeah. Love them. Oh, yeah. Big kingdom. Uh, we don't compete. Mm -hmm. And so I remember talking to Mark about you and uh, 
telling him, I think, I think you would really do a good job there. Give you a shot. Mm -hmm. Not, he didn't do it because of me, but he did ask me. And so, uh, you did really well there. Yeah. And so you parole or our home plan there out of jail. Is that what happened? No, I did it from life through 60 house. So I was already out and I was staying at my mom's house and not, I was staying at Brooks ministry, life through 60 house. And I wasn't, I wasn't doing well. You was doing what you wanted. Yeah. And, uh, you want to talk about that day? So that day, my mom, Brooke, was taking me to another program. It, she wanted to take me to a program across the state. Um, I didn't want to, I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to go there because you couldn't smoke. <laughs> and so <laughs> she, she told me about uh, Victory Mission. And so I read through their handbook. I knew that I wanted a Christian discipleship program because it's just kind of the way my mind was. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to go to a place where they're not preaching and teaching Christ. Um, even in my wickedness, my addiction. Um, and so I was in my room, I was in the room that she was allowing me to, to stay in. And she, it was an emotional day, man. You can imagine after a decade of just relapses and incarceration and treatment and another program failing out of a program going into another program never getting it tensions were high it was emotional everybody's done everybody's stressed out and I I prayed with her and, and I meant it I wanted to change I wanted to learn how to be a faithful follower of Jesus for the rest of my life I, I thought I thought at that day that I was going to learn how to read my Bible and pray more and, and be more disciplined in my, in my spiritual life. Um, what I didn't, what God revealed to me was something totally different that I needed to believe on him and, and faithfully trust him in every circumstance. That was the missing piece. I can, I can learn more scripture. I can memorize scripture. Um, but I needed to believe it. So that was my entrance into victory mission. I did I did really well there, but I, you know, I got a, I got a history of doing well in high structured environments. Um, so only time was going to tell. Um, but I, I know, I believe this time that this could be the last time. This is going to be the last time. I'm, I'm never going to have a day where alcohol is going to help me. It can't help me. Drug use can't help me. Right. Only the Lord can help me and sustain me. Let's stop right there. Uh, so we can pick back up again because okay. we're getting into the, I want to, I want them to hold on. All right. I want them to, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to talk about this next step in Cody's life okay. because you've got some serious clean time. Yeah. You're, I believe that you really got it this time. Yeah, and too. I want to just talk about now what's going on and, and, and what are you doing and what God is doing in your life and what's different from the last time. Cause you've been on your own. You've got plenty of time to mess up. You've right. got lots of rope. Right. You haven't hung yourself with it. Yeah. So let's let, as we come back next episode, they're gonna have to wait to hear about that. Okay. Cool. So if you've enjoyed uh, the podcast today, would you do me a favor and would you share it? Would you share one broken life? Would you share it on your your live feed on Facebook, Instagram, whatever you uh, whatever your your social media platform is? And if you would like to support Freeway Ministries as we reach one broken life at a time, you can go uh, to our website at freeway-ministries.com. And you can be a one-time supporter. You can be a monthly supporter. Uh, this is a production for UA Ministries. The finances we get to do this are all through the ministry. And so thank you 
uh, Cody. Yeah, man. Thanks I, for having me. I love you, man. Love you too, dude. Proud of you. Thanks. And uh, join us for the next episode as we explore one broken life at a time.